as we continue this uh, series, this focus on East Chestnut Street's purpose statement. Today we turn to the third uh, phrase that you find printed in the bulletin. To introduce our children and neighbors to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. As we continued to be transformed by God's love and mercy and grace, as we equip each other to live peaceably and generously, we desire to share what we are coming to value so deeply. That's Titus called it our treasure, our relationship with Jesus. Now, when I first read this phrase, what really struck me was that first word, to introduce. For whatever reason, introduce feels like a really friendly word to me. You know, we introduce new foods to a baby, and then we watch with curiosity to see how they'll respond. I remember bananas and sweet potatoes. We may introduce a new practice into our lives, like going to the gym in the morning before work or by beginning our morning with prayer. And we introduce friends to each other in an effort to help them make a connection with each other. Introductions are primarily about invitation, invitation to learn to know something or someone new and to form a new connection. Sometimes those connections are life-changing, as is our connection with Jesus. And I think that's why this congregation states its intention to introduce our children and neighbors to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So, let's talk a little bit about our children. East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church loves its children. That's pretty obvious to me. During the conversations that we've been having in Sunday school classes, the adult Sunday school classes, I've learned that quite a number of you actually started coming here to East Chestnut Street because there was nurturing and welcoming space here for your children. You sensed that. And from what I can tell, the children here at East Chestnut Street really feel at home. And what a joy it is for me to see them come up um, for children's story or to see them galloping off to Sunday school class with their friends or to sometimes see them dancing in the aisles as we sing. Now, their feeling at home here hasn't just happened. That's not just coincidence. That sense has been cultivated here over many, many years through the intentional commitment of this congregation to its children and its youth. We saw an example of this commitment this morning in the parent-child dedication for Joel. Not only did we offer a blessing for Joel, not only did we hear the commitments of his parents, we also committed ourselves as a congregation to his nurture and to the support of his parents, Eloy and Becky, as they raised both of their children. We are part of a village here that has been called to care for all of our children as they grow in mind and body and spirit. And in that spirit of care, we want our children to know the one around whom we gather here. We want them to know Jesus, the one who loves them deeply and who is always with them and who will help them and who is stronger than anything they may fear. And we want them to know that they can trust Jesus and his love and his care for them. 
And so we provide Sunday school classes for children of all ages to help them learn the story of God's love. We coordinate youth programs, and we get to know our young people as their mentors and friends. And when the time is right, we offer them space to explore their commitment to Jesus and to express that commitment through baptism as they are ready. So how are our children and youth being impacted through all this? Well, let me share a bit of what I learned when I was visiting with the junior youth in MYF Sunday School classes. I went to their classes and asked them some questions. And when I asked them about their favorite memories of East Chestnut Street, this is what I heard. Christmas Eve candlelight services. Easter breakfasts. Children waving palms on Palm Sunday. Friends and flatjacks church retreats, playing in the nursery, small group times when kids were a part of the small groups and could come and play together with other children, time with their mentors, mentors were very important, service projects, and just a general feeling of being welcomed here. These are the kinds of things that are important to our children and youth, and especially as they remember their time here. Well, then I asked them to either draw or to describe their ideal church. And we have some great artistic renderings of, of these ideal churches. And yes, some of them would like to have a gym and more green space to play. And they'd love more comfortable seating in the sanctuary. But most of all, they describe their, their dream church as one in which they are fully engaged in worship and are growing spiritually, and a place where there is a strong sense of community and connectedness within the congregation, and a place where there is a strong commitment to connect with and to engage the local community, and a place where members and attenders fully participate and have a strong sense of ownership for their congregation. This is what they described as being their ideal church. What do you think? I'll tell you what I think. I think the junior youth and the MYF really get it. Somehow, somewhere along the way, they have learned what church is about what it means to live our lives together connected to Jesus. Now, lest you think this is just a feel-good sermon, I visited the Open Circle Sunday School class last Sunday, and that was a really good experience. That was, I very much enjoyed that time together. During that conversation, a challenge was raised. I think we do a great job of introducing our children to Jesus. This is what was said. I think we do a great job of introducing our children to Jesus, but I'm not sure we do so well with our neighbors. And that opened a very interesting conversation that might be fruitful for other Sunday school classes as well. You may want to think about that one. Now, I haven't really been here long enough to get a feel for this congregation's level of passion for introducing Jesus to friends and neighbors beyond these walls. Or for that matter, what that really means to you all. I imagine that some of you feel very strongly that we need to pursue this call. 
And I imagine that others of you may feel less enthusiastic about it and may even be reluctant to go there, and maybe for some pretty good reasons. You know, as Mennonites, who have traditionally been the quiet in the land, we may be far more comfortable with living out our faith than speaking about it. And even though we're Mennonites, some of us pretty, well, pretty, resonate pretty strongly with the words of a beloved Catholic brother, St. Francis of Assisi, who said, Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Perhaps our actions sometimes do introduce our friends and neighbors to Jesus better than do our words. And then there's the question of which Jesus are we introducing? And I know that sounds like a weird question. But I distinctly remember the Jesus that was shared with me by a classmate in an eighth grade home and economics classroom. It was a public school. And a friend came and sat down beside me at the table where we were working and she said, Dawn, are you saved? And I said, well, sure. Because I just finished up preparation class and was getting ready to be baptized at the age of 12. But that wasn't enough for her. Are you sure, she said, because you are a sinner. I was hoping that nobody had noticed that. (laughs) And God can't stand the sight of sin. I wonder if that means that God can't stand the sight of me. And unless you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as the one who took the punishment for your sins and who died the death that you deserve to die, then you are going to hell. Now, I knew that this was somehow supposed to be good news, but it it really felt an awful lot like a threat. Believe or else. And the or else had something to do with experiencing God's everlasting wrath. Nothing, by the way, was said about God's everlasting love. And that's a sadness for me. My friend's message to me sounds a little like the message we heard from Jonah this morning to the people of Nineveh that we heard in the lectionary text this morning. Only Jonah's message was even more brutal. There wasn't one iota of hope there. He said, listen, people of Nineveh, 40 more days, and you are toast. That's basically what he said. I suppose that's what you would call scaring people into the kingdom. Although, that wasn't even Jonah's intent. As far as he was concerned, there was no room for the people of Nineveh in the kingdom. And God shouldn't have even been there. He was just ready for that city to be destroyed. But in the end, God had other ideas, and mercy prevailed. Ultimately, God's love wins. This message, tucked away back in that book of Jonah, which is really a fascinating story, that message is at the heart of the gospel. In the face of evil and sin and suffering and death, God's love wins. 
This message is at the heart of what Jesus embodied and proclaimed and gave his life for. We see Jesus beginning this ministry of radical love in this morning's lectionary reading from Mark. After having had a very, very profound experience of God's blessing at his baptism, followed by a very, very profound experience of temptation in the wilderness, Jesus emerges with a really clear sense of who God is and what God is doing in this world, how God is working, and how he is called to be a part of it. He travels through Galilee then, announcing the kingdom of God is near. And he shows what this kingdom looks like as he heals the sick, as he feeds the hungry, as he forgives sin and frees people from bondage of all sorts, as he welcomes sinners and outcasts and speaks truth to power, even though it gets him killed. He lives the good news, and he proclaims the good news, and he invites others to live into that good news with him. And that's what we see in this morning's reading from Mark. We see Jesus walking along the seaside, proclaiming this kingdom. And he encounters several groups of brothers who are tending to their families' fishing businesses. And Jesus goes up to them and has the audacity to say, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Probably language that only fishermen can probably appreciate, but... And then they have the audacity to drop their nets right then and there and to leave everything behind to follow Jesus. Now, I have often wondered what it was that compelled Simon and Andrew and James and John to do that, to drop everything, and when you think about it, to follow a man that they probably hardly knew. I have a hunch it was because in Jesus... In Jesus, they caught a glimpse of something bigger. They caught a glimpse of the kingdom of God, a kingdom filled with love and justice and, above all, hope. What they saw was good news, good news that could change life forever. And they were ready to jump in and be part of it. And maybe that's a good place to pause and center our conversation about introducing children and neighbors to Jesus. You know, we could probably spend a lot of time discussing how we do that, where we do that, who are our neighbors. We could ask lots of questions, but perhaps the most important question of all is why. Why do we want others to know Jesus? Is it because we fear for their souls? Is it because we fear for our own souls? Or is it because we ourselves see Jesus and we see good news? Life-changing good news.
good news that heals and forgives and reconciles and transforms lives by the power of God's love? Is it because we ourselves have heard Jesus' call to follow me and have dropped everything to say, I'm there? When we see this good news and follow after Jesus to live into this good news, then inviting others through our words or through our actions just to join with us on this journey. It's a natural outgrowth of our lived experience. And now it's time for us to ponder what all that means. I hope we will do that in our Sunday school classes, in our small groups, as we talk together more about who we are and where we feel God calling us. As we do ponder these things, may we be given eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts to receive, and lips to share the good news of God's life-changing, world-changing love.